This sermon, The Joy of Remembering, was preached by Derek Overstreet on Sunday, March 3rd, 2024 at Sovereign Grace Church. Well, good morning, everybody. If you can open up your Bibles to Judges 8, verse 29. Judges 8, verse 29, and as you turn, uh, as Tom led us in a pastoral prayer, Uh, my mind went to this. The Lord is on the move. The Lord is on the move. People are being saved in Pakistan. Churches, Christ promised that he would build his church, and the church is being built in Pakistan, just as it is here. And guess what? If by grace through faith you belong to Jesus Christ, you have been brought on board. <laughs> you are part of what the Lord is doing. Uh, isn't God kind? Isn't God merciful? Uh, isn't God wise? And isn't God powerful? Amen? Well, if you're visiting with us, we, we do stand here just to set apart the public reading of Scripture. So with your Bibles, turn to Judges eight twenty nine. Would you stand with me? Let's read and we'll pray. We are preaching through the book of Judges, and so the story continues this morning. Verse 29, the story goes, Jerubel, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father at Ophrah of the Abiazrites. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made Baal Berith their god. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubel, that is Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. Please take a seat. Would you pray with me? This is your word, Lord. It's breathed out by you. And when you gather your people... You have intentions for your people. You want to work in us. You want to lift our eyes as we sang this morning that we might see Christ more clearly and that we we might be moved more passionately to live for your glory. And so we ask you, Lord, we, we can't do it apart from your spirit at work in us, but we ask you, cause your word to bear fruit in our hearts, for our good, for the testimony of your church, and for your ultimate, infinite glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I have the privilege to introduce some family. Uh, My mother is here with her three sisters, my mother Ray and her husband Larry. They both live right here in Tucson. But down visiting, she she has three sisters with her today. She has Janice with her, 
uh, she has a Vaughn with her, who I just learned this week, her name is actually Barbara. Man, I've been living a lie all my life. And then her other sister, Mary Jane, and her husband, Ken. They're down here from Washington, and so they're trying to get some sun and some good rays uh, and just enjoy each other. Uh, We spent some time with them a couple nights ago, and as we were catching up uh, with them, we we did that. Everyone, we took a few minutes, and everyone shared what they believed was their earliest memory in life. Have you ever done that? Uh, It's actually interesting. It's fun. Uh, Some of the memories were very detailed at a very young age. I was surprised. Others were just brief blurs of a person or a place. But it's amazing what you can learn about someone as as they just remember out loud. Uh, it, It was fun. Uh, At some point, someone said, you know, we should be writing these things down because uh, we're going to wish we had these when when, uh, someone dies. Well, it's good to remember. It's good to remember, isn't it? And I would submit to you this morning that it's not just good to remember as a fun event, but that remembering is critical to the Christian life. Did you know the Bible repeatedly calls us to remember, doesn't it? We take communion in what? In remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. A role of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, was to bring, bring truth to remembrance, to remind us of true, John 14, 26. In Ephesians 2, 11, we are exhorted by Paul to remember who you were before Christ broke into your heart with his uh, unfailing love and saving grace. Over and over, the suffering psalmist remembers the unchanging character the unfailing promises and the unwavering love of the Lord for him. And it lifts his soul even in the, in the midst of suffering. Now, I, I, so, so scripture is filled with calls to remember. Now, I thought about this this week and I, I can't recall ever having read a book on the spiritual disciplines that included remembering as a discipline. Someone should write that book, or at least someone who has written a book needs to revise their book and add that category of remembering, uh, because remembering is indeed a spiritual discipline. And here's why. The Christian life isn't really complicated, but it is difficult. It's difficult isn't it? It's difficult in a world of distractions for people like you and I who have hearts that are prone to wander from God. We live in a world, I don't have to tell you this, you know it, but we live in a world that is constantly competing for our affection and demanding our loyalties. 
And this makes the risk of spiritual amnesia, if you will, very real. And so for this reason, uh, we were going to look at uh, chapter 9 uh, this morning, but I decided to hold off on Abimelech one more week and single out verse 34. We're really just going to look at one verse in our text today. And here's my prayer for us. It's been my prayer all week, and it is right now. My, my prayer is that we will walk out of here with these three words fixed in our hearts. Remembering is worship. Remembering is worship. Remembering the Lord, calling to mind who he is and all that he has done in the gospel for us and allowing that to shape our lives. Well, friends, that's worship. That's Romans 12, 1, worship. Now, the last few weeks we have focused uh, in, we focused on God's work in and through Gideon. Uh, and now in verses 29 through 32, that we see the sun is setting. We just read those verses and we see that the sun is setting on Gideon's personal life and ministry. And as we saw last week, uh, Gideon did not finish well. But in the kindness and mercy of God, God still used him to make his redemptive mark his, his, his mark on redemptive history as God used him to deliver Israel from the Midianites and, and usher Israel into 40 years of rest. But in verse 33, we learn what has now become a predictable cycle in the book of Judges, right? The people sin, the people, uh, God sends a judge, the people repent. The judge dies, and the people are right back to their idolatry. Well, that's what we see here in verse 33. Gideon is dead, and Israel has once again plunged headlong into uh, the idols and ways of the world. And verse 34 tells us why. Look at your Bibles again with me. Verse 34 tells us why. It's not that complicated and the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. Now if that sounds familiar, it's because you've heard it before. Uh, the account of Joshua's death in chapter 2, do you remember how that ended? Joshua dies and then these are the following Words And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. They had forgotten the Lord their God. Now, in chapter 8, a few generations later, here they are again. And we need to be clear, their, their forgetfulness isn't an innocent ignorance, nor is it due to memory loss. Israel was just growing old, and their memory was growing old with them. Amen. That, that's not the point here. 
Israel had been taught about God's holiness and sovereignty. They knew about that. They had experienced personally God's love, power, and faithfulness in so many ways. Israel knew about God's awesome and powerful saving work that he did through the exodus out of Egypt and the deliverance at the Red Sea. God's people knew about Moses. They had heard about the miracles in the wilderness, the miracles of manna and, and, and water from a rock. Those were not foreign to them. They had probably sung more than once the victorious song of Deborah and Barak in Judges 5. They had heard of Othniel and Shamgar. The Israelites, they, they must have remembered because it wasn't too long ago how the Lord mercifully delivered them from the Midianites with Gideon and just 300 men. How could you forget that? I would submit to you, they could still answer the catechism questions and nail them. Israel didn't literally forget God. They chose not to remember him. They just didn't care anymore. They had no regard for God. Their experiential and intellectual knowledge of God, it no longer affected them. It played no part in determining how they thought and lived. God's character, his provision, his promises, they just didn't influence them anymore. It didn't matter to their lives. They refused to honor, trust, and obey the Lord. Simply put, they forgot God. They turned to the idols of the countries around them, of the people around them. They blended into the world around them, and they forgot God. You know, a great example of this, if you were here last week, do you remember Gideon's ephod? Do you remember that? A, a, a tunic made of gold to replicate the tunic that the high priest wore uh, in the tabernacle. Gideon created one with the gold, and he gave it to the people. And in doing so, what you had in Israel happening now was unauthorized worship in an unauthorized place led by an unauthorized man. That is not how God had determined that Israel would worship him. But to the Gideon and the people, it didn't matter. To Gideon, it didn't matter because that's what the people want. And so forget God's desire for our worship, will worship the way we want to worship. So last week was a great example of this. And this actually shouldn't surprise us. If you've ever read the book of Deuteronomy, you know that, that Moses was wise. He was discerning. Moses actually saw this tendency in God's people. And obviously God knows this tendency in his people to forget this is why the final words Moses spoke to Israel before they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land included this warning. Only take care and keep your soul diligently 
Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Guess what? Here we are in Judges 8, 34. They've crossed the Jordan. They're in the promised land. And they failed to take care. They didn't keep their souls diligently. And the effect, the fruit and effect, was that they forgot God and turned to idols. Now, before we get too hard on Israel, what about us? How forgetful are you today? How forgetful am I? To what degree do you suffer from spiritual amnesia? Now, we need to know what that is before we can give it to the Lord and in his strength fight it. And I read an outstanding article titled, Forgetting God. Uh, It's in the Legionnaire Ministries. If you're familiar with that, the Legionnaire Ministries Table Talk publication. Um, Don't worry about it right now. The link will be provided for you in the uh, sermon spotlight, which I think goes out on Mondays. And can I just make an appeal for a moment uh, to the community group leaders? Uh, If you're in my community group, read that article this week because that's what we're discussing uh, on, on uh, next Sunday at group. And I want to make appeal to the community group leaders. Get that article. And if not, your next community group, your second community group, get that article. It is gold for your community group discussion. So please make that your, your, your next focus in community group. But in this article, Benjamin Shaw, he, he wrote the article, he identifies two types of spiritual forgetfulness. So what I want to do is take a moment here and let's identify that spiritual forgetfulness and then, and then we'll end with, with just looking at, boy, how, how do we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and fight the temptation to spiritual amnesia? So Benjamin Shaw identifies two types of forgetfulness in the believer's life. The first one he calls careless forgetfulness. Careless forgetfulness. This is a forgetfulness fueled by distraction and busyness that leads to a lack of intentionality and focus that fits the moment. For example, we sit through a sermon like this one, but on the drive home we can't remember a thing that was said. Now if that's you, a grace to you. Half time, I can't remember what I preached. <laughs> or how about this one? I, I finish my morning Bible reading. But by the time I'm out of the, by the time I'm in the car and out the door, I, I can't remember a thing that chapter said. I'm reading it. But I can't remember a thing I read. If I asked you, if I, if I asked you the theological and the Christological content of the last song we sang, 
Could you tell me? Or have you already forgotten? You were standing there with me. Our lips were moving. Maybe our feet were dancing. We were raising our hands. But we were kind of on autopilot. Not really thinking about what we were singing. We can relate to those things, right? And that's the idea of carelessness or careless forgetfulness. See, the the reality is that we can read God's active and living word. We can sing theologically rich songs and we can sit under sound preaching and yet have our, our minds and our hearts somewhere else. I'm hungry. What's for lunch today? I wish the preacher would wrap it up. I can't wait to get to the big game at one o'clock. Or maybe you're distracted. Even as you mouth the words, Christ is my perfect plea. And yet your mind is thinking about the conflict that you had with your spouse on the way in here this morning. Or you're distracted by the Monday morning appointment you're really not looking forward to. Or you're distracted by the state of politics. Or you're distracted by your struggling teenager. Or you're distracted by the chronic pain you're experiencing even right now. You you, you get you get the point. We are here, but we aren't here. We are physically here, but we're not here in our souls. We are gathered with God's people in a way that God's presence and power are uniquely experienced. But our hearts are focused on something infinitely less worthy. In that moment, I have carelessly forgotten who is here. The Spirit of God. The presence of God. And what I'm here for. To magnify and exalt Him. To celebrate all that He has accomplished for me through his life and death and resurrection and ascension. That's careless forgetfulness of God. It's destructive to our walk with Jesus if for no other reason it causes us to miss out on the grace that God wants to pour out as we sing together. As his word goes forth, as we pray with one another, as we serve together. But that, but careless forgetfulness leads to an even more destructive forgetfulness, which is deliberate forgetfulness. And this is what's happening to Israel. In his article, Benjamin Shaw makes the connection between careless forgetting and deliberate forgetting in a way that really I decide I cannot improve on, so I'm just going to read it for you. He says, Israel's persistent forgetting of God, which led it into idolatry, brought them eventually into judgment. 
The Israelites forgot God initially through carelessness. They were distracted by the needs of the times. We can relate. They were focused on so much on the issues of the present that they neglected the foundational truths of the past. Yes, I'm guilty. They disobeyed the commandments intended for their health and protection, and they forgot God. Thus, when the idols of the peoples offered quick solutions to their needs, the Israelites who had forgotten God carelessly were only too ready to forget him deliberately. They were willing to set aside the God who had saved them because the gods of the people seemed ready, willing, and able to help. Would you agree that it can be so with us, brothers and sisters? It can be so with us. More than can, it probably is in one way or the other with everyone in this room. I know what God's word says about sex outside of marriage. But I want to feel loved and accepted. So forget God. Everyone around me is having sex outside of marriage, so I'm going to have sex. That's just running after the idol of pleasure. And setting God aside. I know what the Bible says about not forsaking the gathering. But I'm tired from a long week. So forget God. I'm staying home. I know God says forgiven people are forgiving people. But man, I'm hurt bad. So forget God. I'm bearing a grudge until they earn my forgiveness. I know God desires me to go to my brother or my sister when they are caught in sin, but I, frankly, I don't need the potential conflict in my life right now. So forget God. He can use someone else. I know being honest on my tax returns, that one's relevant right now, <laughs> is a way to walk righteously in an unrighteous world. But man, do we need the money. So forget God. I'm cheating on my tax returns. I know God calls me to be an ambassador to my neighbor. But I know my neighbor, and I don't want to risk the relationship. So forget God keeping Jesus to myself. I mean, we, we can keep going, right? When the culture overwhelms us, it's tempting to feel hopeless and helpless because we have forgotten that God is still on his throne. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who's leading the UN. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's the governor of Arizona. The one thing that matters, the ultimate thing that matters, God is on his throne providentially working all things to his intended purposes that will be fully and finally realized when his son returns and heaven is ours forever.
when success comes, whatever that looks like, we boast in ourselves, forgetting it's God who gives all good things. I, I can remember uh, years ago, uh, I, I was convicted. Periodically, people, when they found out that I used to smoke, that they would come to me and say, how'd you quit smoking? Oh, I just quit. Cold turkey. No, well, that's, by the way, uh, if you tell that to somebody who's trying to quit smoking, that's really not helpful necessarily. And I don't know how many times I told that story. And one of the reasons why I told it that way is that I didn't want to seem like a Jesus freak. Because I know how I quit smoking. The Lord rescued me from that addiction. But the Lord convicted me one day. He said, you are robbing me of my glory. You're leaving me out of that story. You're forgetting about me in that story. And frankly, I'd still be puffing on the sticks apart from him. So I did tell the story of that. The next person that came to me, I said, well, do you really want to know? Well, of course. And I said, the Lord delivered me from that. <laughs> they were in my office. You know what they did? Oh, and walked out. <laughs> I was forgetting God. I was leaving him out. These situations, you have your own. We could just keep going. And you'll get an opportunity to share some years in your community group. But these situations are easy for us to understand, aren't they? They're not far-fetched. They're right where we live. And they're right where we live because our hearts are prone to forget God and pursue the idols of respect, reputation, money, success, power, personal comfort, personal convenience. Listen, I doubt anybody in this room has a bale in their backyard. These are modern day bales. These things are 21st century bales. These are the things that we whore after just like Israel. And it's just a reminder, church, oh, how we need the strength of the Spirit to help us remember the greatness of God, how he's called us out of darkness and delivered us into light and said, you will be my people Derek, you will be mine, and I will be your God. I know the darkness that I was in before Christ broke through and shined the light of his saving power into my heart. And you know your darkness. And we can never forget that. We can never forget who we were before Christ and who we are now. To forget that is to forget God himself. It is to forget Christ himself. It is to set his blood aside. And so remembering becomes glorious. Remembering becomes life-giving. Remembering 
strengthens our faith. Because when we are forgetting God, we, we are forgetting the one thing we need most. Christ and Him crucified. It's crazy, isn't it? But that's the way sin is. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. It's irrational. <laughs> Why in the world would I turn away from the very thing that I need most? Listen, if you're here this morning, whatever you think you need the most, I just need the pain to go away. I just need, some, I just need a break in the workplace. I, I just need that professor to give me an A. I just need my husband to understand me. I just need my wife to respect me. I just need my parents to give me some space. I just need the pastor to see I can really lead that ministry. I just need a few more dollars in the bank. Whatever you think you need most this morning, you need Jesus more. We need Christ more. He is our life. And like we sung this morning, his life is in our veins. We belong to him. Why would we forget him? Why would we turn to the ways and the philosophies of this world and think that there was something better? Like Israel who wanted to go back to Egypt. Why would we want to go back to living life without the hope of our Savior? Oh, church, how we need the Spirit's help to remember. Because when we forget God, we forget the very one we need to remember most. So how do we guard against spiritual forgetfulness? Well, here's how. Motivated by Christ's love for us and in the strength that he only supplies, we remember. We remember. And there's four things, there's, there's plenty that we remember, but four things that particularly came to my mind this week. Number one, remember who you are. We like to say it like this, preach the gospel to yourself. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 reminds you that you are no, you, you, you no longer have to think and act and live as the Gentiles do. Why? Because you've come into the secret knowledge of how to live your best life now? No. Because you know Christ. And Christ knows you. He has made you his. And in Christ, Paul says in Ephesians 4, you are a new creation. In Colossians 3, he says, listen. Before you, before you, this is where the Christian life begins. Not unto salvation, but every day. And in and, and, and Colossians 3, 1 through 4, he says, set your mind not on the things below, but on the things above. If you are risen and hidden 
in Christ, for he is your life. I'm paraphrasing. For he is your life. It's that, it's not complicated. Look to Jesus. We sang this morning. We, we have to, remembering begins with remembering who we are. In Christ, your sins are forgiven. In Christ, you stand before the throne of God, robed in perfect righteousness. Therefore, you are fully pardoned before the throne above. In Christ, you have God's Spirit living in you, empowering you, teaching you how to think and walk in His ways. As we sang this morning earlier, Christ stands. He is our perfect plea. He ever pleads and stands for you, and he will never fail. That's who you are. But tomorrow morning, we get up, and we just know our failures. Tomorrow, we get up, and we just lean on our own strength. Tomorrow, we get up, and we're intimidated by someone who disagrees that abortion is murder, and we forget God. And we try and save our reputation. Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. When that alarm goes off. Before you roll out of bed. You remember. Who you are in Christ Jesus. Put, put, put Colossians 3. 1 through 4 on your bathroom mirror. If you need to. But remember who you are. In Christ Jesus. Second, we we have to remember that God forgives. God forgives. The work of Jesus in the gospel paid the debt and broke the power of sin. But guess what? In a fallen world, until Christ returns, the presence of sin. Yes, the penalty of sin has been paid. And yes, the power of sin has been broken. But the presence of sin remains with us. And it will until Christ returns. And this means that that repentance, not just unto salvation, but ongoing repentance is a genuine part of the Christian life. That's what John 1, 9 reminds us when he says, "If, if we are faithful to confess our sins, the Lord mercifully and freely forgives us. Don't forget that. Don't forget that God forgives all of it. Don't forget that Hebrews 4.16 says that we have a great high priest. And that in Jesus Christ. And that means we can come before the throne of God with confidence and find mercy and grace in time of need. You know what that means that you will find mercy before the throne of God in your time of need? It means God will not turn you away. (laughs) He won't. He can't. Because he has promised that for all who come before his throne in the name of Jesus Christ and in the blood of Jesus Christ, that they belong to him. Your sins are pardoned, therefore who can condemn? God forgives your sin. Remember that if you're here this morning and you're not a believer. 
That's your only hope. I'm just going to tell you right now. I just, I don't care how smart you think you are. I don't care how successful you've been. I, I, I don't care the things you've done, the places you've been, or the things you've seen. Apart from Christ, you are running a hellbound race. And that, that road is a direct road to hell. And hell is real. But praise be to the glory of God. In Christ Jesus, he has made a way for you. And again, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the sins you've committed. Romans 10 is clear. If you, in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe he will save you. And that is your hope this morning. I'm glad you're here, but there's nothing special about us. (laughs) We're just sinners saved by grace. You're a sinner bound for hell and you can't do anything about it. Save. Look to Jesus. Turn to Jesus and in your heart say, Lord, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. But I know, I know that if you set your love in my heart, I know that if you apply the work of your son to my life, I will be free. And those whom the Spirit sets free, they are free indeed. So remember, remember who you are in Christ. Remember God forgives. Remember the nature of God's word. This is the third one. 2 Timothy 3.16 reminds us that God breathes out all scripture. That means that these words are his word, this word. The word of God is his words to us. And that verse goes on. Paul says, listen, and they are profitable in every way. They make the man of God competent and equipped for everything that God calls you to. And that there is great joy for those who walk in his ways. God has given us His word to show us the way. We we don't need to look to the world's ways. We don't need to buy into the world's philosophies. Really, most of the world's ways and philosophies, they just took them out of some principle in here and then perverted them. (laughs) Made them man-centered. No, we have the word of God that's active and living Run to it. Feast on it. Because when you go to the word of God, guess what? It's really hard to forget God. If you go to the word of God with a humble heart and a simple prayer that says, Spirit of God, help me understand. Help me to embrace the precious truth here and help me to live it. He does. He will. So remember the nature of God's word. And finally, 
Remember why we gather. Remember why we gather. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 reminds us that the gathered church, this right here, as unimpressive as this is, this right here, what we are doing right now is not to be neglected because it is the fruit of the gospel that every believer needs to strengthen their faith and fuel their perseverance to the end. See, what is church about? Church is about remembering our Savior. Church is about remembering the goodness of the Lord. Church is about remembering it and celebrating Him as we remember. Church is about magnifying who God is and what He has done for us in the gospel. That's why we're here. We're not here to be seen. We're not here to be known. We're not here to have a platform of our pet peeve convictions. We are here because Christ has brought us here. We are here because we are citizens of heaven, part of his family. We are the household of God. And when we come here, we have one goal, to remember all that the Lord has done and to make much of him because of it. So remember why we gather. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember that God forgives. Remember the nature of God's word. And remember why we gather. As the worship team comes up, You know, sharing your earliest memories with a group of friends like we did the other night, it really does make for a great evening. But it is so much more than a great evening. It is joy producing. It is faith building. It is life giving to remember who Christ is and all that he has done for us. So as we go today, let's go worshiping our Lord and Savior by reminding ourselves and one another all that Christ has done. Leaning on this great promise at the end of Jude that says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord to him be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.